TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness to our lives. And today, we're without Damien Kristoff. He is flying back from New Zealand from a wedding, and it's just me and you, Brett. I know. How good is this going to be? We're going to get heaps of questions in. Exactly. He, he's not going to have those long-winded questions. And uh, So we got a very special guest in this podcast, and I'm really excited about this uh, because I've never actually met him personally and never actually had a chance to speak to him, but you guys speak so highly of him. So let's uh, get down to it and uh, let's have your introduction. Yeah, so we're introducing a good friend of mine, a fellow Adelaidean, which already puts him on a pedestal. Um, he used to be actually a presenter on Totally Wild, and he kind of looks like a presenter from Totally Wild, like the <laughs> sun, the surf, the blonde hair. He's a cool guy. He's a, he's a certified Czech coach, uh, both a wellness coach and a fitness coach, um, and he's a bit of a guru on all things gut health, particularly fermented foods. I've uh, certainly heard a couple of his talks in Adelaide all about it, and, uh, and it's Kale Brock. Welcome to the show, Kale Brock. Thank you. Hey, I'm a big fan of you guys. I really am. I listen to the show all the time. Oh, that's cool. Thank you yeah, so much. Thanks for having me. I have a lot of respect for you guys. A lot of love. Sending out a lot of love. Damien's going to be really pissed off about this for missing this one. We're going to be talking about <laughs> gut health and he's not on it. <laughs> I'm be devastated. I so, even talk about poo without Yeah, without, without Damo, that's just going to be impossible. <laughs> okay, I'd love to know uh, how you got started. I mean, obviously you said, uh, you know, as Brett mentioned, you were a presenter on Tully Wall. So how did you move from that, um, you know, sort of quote unquote career, I guess, into health and being a health coach? Yeah, I was always, I was always into health. Um, when I was 16, I was diagnosed with a pretty serious heart condition called SVT, supraventricular tachycardia is the um, technical name. And it's basically uh, a technical way of saying my heart was a little bit stuffed up electrically. So um, I would experience like arrhythmias to the point of almost fainting. And, you know, as an avid surfer, that's not such a good thing. And um, long story short, uh, I was offered uh, surgery, an ablation, which is where they go in and burn away a piece of the heart. And um, I sort of went the complete other direction because I thought I saw that as a bit of a drastic sort of action to take as a 16-year-old. And um, from there, I've done, ended up doing work experience with a naturopath for, you know, going on about six or seven years now. So um, I've sort of been involved the whole time and obviously did a little bit of media as well, did the Totally Wild gig. But um, now I'm just doing the health gig full time and uh, yeah, sharing the message. I love it. I love being involved in this industry. It's so good. And you're sharing some great messages, Kale. Obviously, I've done some stuff with you already. We recorded a couple of videos together, which were pretty yeah. fun. And <laughs> uh, and you're putting out so much information. So, you know, what what got you so passionate about sharing this health and wellness information? Obviously, your own story, but but what else? You know, what was it that really made you want to share this with the world? Honestly, I I came into it with more of an environmental perspective. You know, I saw what uh, certain big agricultural businesses and other businesses are doing to the world, and um, it's sort of it's such a big sort of social injustice, and it's it's quite obscene to be honest. And um, that to me was sort of unfair, and it's, it kind of inspired a bit of a calling in me, and got into it for that, and then. From there, you know, just saw the benefits of, of applying a healthy sort of lifestyle and diet in my own family. And uh, I've also seen the flip side of that, um, the old school sort of system and how that's had a detrimental effect on my family as well. You know, we're seeing that actually really recently. So, um, you know, they, I think we all go through these things where we feel a little bit frustrated and uh, we want to get the truth out there because, you know, it's not always out there in the, in the mainstream media. And um, 
yeah, I think that's why I do what I do. Um, and I see, I see the results firsthand. That's the biggest thing. You know, when someone, I actually worked with someone the other day who, um, came back to me after three months of being on my sort of little program, if you will. And, uh, he had the same heart condition as me, you know, back in the day. And, um, you know, he's about 50 years old now. And he came back three months later and he said his cardiologist cannot believe what has happened. Complete reversal of symptoms. He's lost 12 kilos along the way. And, you know, that, just that one story, just that, you know, there are plenty of others, but just that is so humbling and keeps me on the, on the path. That's an awesome story. I mean, there's also things that you've done. You, you've obviously been on television. You also have a bit of, uh, I guess, fame that's associated with it as well, and people know you. And, and it's great to be able to see someone like yourself being able to take that and leverage it to help more people because of, of your name and, and also your, of your, what you know and, and as a health coach as well. So, you know, obviously, you know, you being, um, you weren't totally well. How old were you at that time? Oh, I was 19, so I was pretty young. I did it for two years until I was 21. Yeah. So do you have an interest in sort of, if you look at our kids' health now in terms of, especially in Australia, um, you know, what do you see the downfalls are in terms of the way we're moving towards and how would you like to shape it? Uh, I see, honestly, I see a massive failure of the um, mainstream sort of authorities in nutrition to convey some actual real health information when it comes to uh, our children. Um I think, you know, if you talk to any teacher these days, they will tell you they're seeing unprecedented amounts of asthma, of um, behavioral problems in school, of autism, of allergies and whatnot. And these are all preventative um, issues. Okay, so we need to be focusing on things right from birth, to be honest, of actually, you know, preconception and focusing on the mother's health as well. But um, mm. when it comes to, I suppose we're going to talk about gut bacteria a little bit, um, you know, that for children is so important in terms of development, you know, getting nutrition around the body and especially to the to the brain um, is so important and it's pegged to a large extent to the, the microbiome and the presence of good bacteria in the gut. And, um, you know, we are seeing some good things coming out in the mainstream media now. I think there was a good documentary from Catalyst that came out not long ago called Gut Reaction and they talked about the connection between gut bacteria and autism, you know, as one example. Uh, so that was really good. And I think, you know, when we start to look at the toxins going into children these days from, you know, a variety of sources from things like, you know, personal care, little uh, baby washes and things like that, and uh, seemingly innocuous sources from, you know, maybe even the dishwashing liquid we're using to wash the dishes in. All those things need to be addressed, I think, because children are very sensitive, as you guys would have talked about before, um, and they need to be pretty much you know, taken extra care of, you know, when they are developing. And, um, you know, I'm sure you guys, I know, um, Brady, you've got some, some little grommets and, uh, I'm sure that from looking after them, you've seen an astounding sort of array of benefits from doing so. Mm. Well, let me, let's, uh, let's talk about gut health. Let's get dive right into it. So, you know, tell us why is gut health so important to even look at and, um, what are some of the effects on, you kind of touched upon it, but, um, you know, love to kind of go all the way back to how it affects the child before they're even, you know, while they're, they're still in their mother's womb. Yeah. Well, if you can look at it, it's kind of like our first contact with the outside, with our nutrition. Um, I always sort of picture and uh, explain to people the bacteria are like our middlemen between us and our food. And you can sort of picture them, you know, in a little factory or whatever, and they're sort of sorting out our food for us, organizing the proteins and the fats and the carbohydrates, lining them up in a sensible order for our small intestine and our gut to digest. That's sort of the best way to do it. But not only that, they also produce a lot of nutrients. 
which the body can use. You know, there was a study that came out, I think it was reported in Nature, the journal, and it came out of Japan and they showed that a byproduct of gut bacteria digesting dietary fiber was a butyrate, which is a short-chain fatty acid, and that actually acts as kind of like a epigenetic sort of switch to downregulate uh, inflammation in the gut. And we're seeing so many inflammatory, at least, you know, with my own clients, I'm seeing so many inflammatory conditions in the gut, which are leading to a whole host of other issues all around the body. You know, we, we hear about a lot these days that health starts in the gut. And I think it was Hippocrates who said that, you know, death begins in the colon. And I would go as far as saying that health and thriving also begins in the colon. When we have these good bacteria in place, it's very hard for the body to get sick. And, and I can, I'm a great testament to that because, you know, when I was going throughout high school, um, I used to get sick for three months at a time, you know, like chest, serious chest infections for months at a time. And, you know, doing this gut bacteria stuff and really getting the gut health right is one of the biggest things we can do for our health. I would say at least, you know, up there with stress and, and all the other stuff because it just has such a profound impact. You know, everything is pegged to the gut. You know, and you know, I'm speaking to some chiropractors here. If you know, we've got inflammation in the gut. If the gut's not so healthy, that actually uh, downregulates the abdominal muscles, which then destabilizes the spine, and that results in uh, a lot of lower back pain and some busy Dr. Brett and Dr. Lawrence. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, there there are so many implications of getting the gut right. There, there really are. So it's a, it's a good way to invest some time in your health. Yeah, and I love the way you've described that, you know, that it's actually, it's part of the process. Like, it's not some separate thing to our body. It really is, you know, symbiotic, these bugs with our body. You know, we need them, they need us in order to actually thrive and in order to be able to actually digest our food properly. So, you know, we've mentioned it so many times on the show before, but but I think it's worth going over again is just, you know, why do you think that we are having so many problems with, with gut bacteria and gut health? I think, you know, largely we're consuming a lot of sugar these days. We, we know that. Um, but I also think there are so many sources that we don't know about, sources of, um, of factors that uh, influence our gut bacteria in a negative way. So things like stress, flying, you know, uh, your phone, so radiation, high-intensity exercise will do it, um, alcohol will do it. There are so many factors that come into play when it comes to your bacteria. Okay, it can be, you know, your bacteria will change depending on what you eat as well. So um, they've, they've actually shown in scientific studies now that, you know, someone who eats uh, steak for a day um, and then flips over to maybe a vegetarian diet the next day has completely different bacteria after 24 hours. So it's it's very much influenced by what you eat, um, but also that, you know, the toxins coming into your body. There are so many toxins we don't know about these days. And I think that's that's become sort of a big part of my mission is sort of cutting out the toxins where possible. We're exposed to a lot of unavoidable toxins, but there are some we can avoid. Um, and, you know, just speaking about that, I had a client who took away their or switched over their um, dishwashing liquid to do something more uh, natural, I suppose. And, you know, their IBS symptoms just went away. So, you know, it's something, yeah, as innocuous as dishwashing liquid coming into play. But um, the biggest things I see these days are probably something like Wi-Fi in the home, leaving it on all the time, you know, and uh, uh, consuming too much sugar as well. And probably poor food combining you could throw in there, maybe even some low hydrochloric acid (laughs) and some stress as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that come into play. But, you know, the best thing is we can sort of take uh, measures to counteract all those things as well by consuming fermented foods, by supplementing with probiotics, 
you know, so I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom here. There's a, a big flip side. And once you do take care of the gut, you know, life is, is pretty darn good. <laughs> well, it's just in that last couple of minutes there, you just threw a whole bunch of points and where people are just going, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> Dishwashing? What? Wi-Fi? What? Yeah. yeah. Affecting gut health? Okay, so let's dive that back into there, if you don't mind. So yeah. what are some of the major toxins that uh, you think that we are currently exposing ourselves to, uh, unknowingly, that we could avoid? Yes, yeah, so I see our air fresheners in the home. That's a big mm. one. And also, um, so if we're talking about dishwashing liquid, uh, with, there's a lot of industrial grade sort of degreasants in there because people like squeaky clean dishes mm. these days. And um, we like to kill bacteria. We we're obsessed with cleanliness these days because, you know, um, when Louis Pasteur sort of looked under the microscope years ago, he found a bunch of bad bacteria, but he sort of ignored the good bacteria. And I think since then we've been obsessed with cleanliness. And I suppose it's, it's kind of well-founded. We had a lot of infectious diseases back in the day that we were able to um, turn around with some social hygiene uh, interventions. So I can sort of understand it, but we're taking it to another level. You know, using something like industrial degreasant to wash your dishes is kind of akin to using antibiotics to counter like a candida infection. You know, it's just like throwing an atomic bomb on the barn shed to get rid of some mice you know, when we should really just go ahead and clear out the mice and maybe air it out, uh, air out the barn a little bit, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's sort of the biggest thing. Hey, uh, there's a couple of things I'd like you to go into more specifically, Kyle, because like Lauren said, you chucked in a bunch of stuff there. <laughs> One of the ones you said was high-intensity exercise affecting yeah. gut bacteria. I'd love you to talk more about that. Yeah, because basically it just acidifies the body. So we generate a lot of acid during high-intensity exercise, and I'm a big fan of it. So um, high-intensity exercise is great. You know, We see a lot of hormonal benefits from that. We um, increase our insulin sensitivity, and I think we burn fat a lot better doing that sort of exercise. But we acidify the body, and as um, you guys would probably know, when we um, go to an extent where lactic acid starts to actually move sort of into the vital organs from doing so much exercise, that's when they start to kill off some bacteria. So it's not such a bad thing. We don't need to stop doing high intensity exercise we <laughs> so do just, need to you almost gave some some people with some excuses <laughs> oh i don't need to do exercise anymore <laughs> no you can still go to crossfit if you uh, if your posture is good <laughs> but um yeah you've just got to take some measures to really sort of work on your gut health as well but that's for everybody you know we all live in this modern world now we all go to work and we all sort of hang around wi-fi and whatnot it's not going away so we just gotta we've just got to accept it that you know looking after the gut is probably something we all need to invest in and so, Kyle, the other one I really want to ask you about is the Wi-Fi because you've mentioned that a couple of times too and people are like, yeah. what? Hang on, I've got the Wi-Fi yeah. switched on my home. How could Wi-Fi possibly be affecting my gut health on the inside? So explain the link there. How does that work? Radiation kills bacteria. That, that's the basic link. So when you put your food in a microwave, like you're killing off all the bacteria. You're also inducing some um, serious cell changes that you know we we could probably go into in another conversation but um that that's the basics of it uh, radiation uh, emfs and whatnot kill bacteria and uh unfortunately the the bacteria that grow back first are the uh, bad bacteria so that's when we create imbalances in the body so um i would suggest only keep your internet on when you're using it i actually turn mine off whenever i'm not using it so especially overnight um and you know that'll help with your circadian rhythm as well and so do good bacteria <laughs> mm. I'm screwed. I was on a plane today twice. <laughs> <laughs> just take your probiotics. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Definitely. So let's talk about, um, we'd love to just kind of get some uh, solutions for some of the people we just talked about. We talked about dishwashing. What, I mean, do we look for uh, degreaser? Is that what we're looking for in the, in the product? And, and what would you suggest to replace that? 
worth. Like, just go back to basics. You know, there are some good companies out there doing some good work, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to look towards people independently recommending companies because I know, you know, it's easy for someone to recommend it if they're selling it. Um, and, you know, that's fine. It, it opens up a good uh, industry. Mm-hmm. But um, just go back to basics. You know, we use a lot of uh, vinegar and clove oil to clean in the in, in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, vinegar actually kills mold whereas bleach and whatnot just hides it. So um, much better to do that sort of stuff. And uh, just do your research. There's a lot of stuff out there. I, uh, in this area, I tend to go towards someone like Philip Day, who's a UK researcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Samuel Epstein is pretty big on it as well. And I think uh, there are a few others. There was a documentary that came out. I think they had Dustin Hoffman involved last year. Um, I can't remember the name of that one, but it's definitely out there. There is uh, plenty of information out there on this. Yeah, cool. And, uh, there's an Aussie girl as well called Nicole Bildsma who we've interviewed before as well. She has oh, a book cool. called Healthy Homes, Healthy Families or something like that. She's got lots of good info too, Kyle. Huh, yeah. I might have to get that name from you. Yeah, we actually did a great yeah. interview with her and she talked a lot about Wi-Fi and the effects on us and, and uh, Damon was freaking out because <laughs> he, had to, he had to like look at considering getting a it was Bluetooth and uh, Wi-Fi Damon. and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he was spewing. <laughs> So, Kyle, we've mentioned a few times gut bacteria and obviously uh, fermented foods to start replacing it. So, you know, what sort of fermented foods do you recommend people getting into themselves to help with this? I think the the best place to start with uh, fermented foods. But first of all, look, if someone's been on a sort of a health program already, someone like you or um, Damo or Lawrence, I would um, sort of get them on fermented foods straight away. But those of us sort of just entering the sort of realm of probiotics, generally I'll sort of start people on a probiotic supplement because a lot of people have leaky gut. And, you know, you guys know what leaky gut is. That's big particles of food moving into the bloodstream. You know, the bacteria present in fermented foods can also move into the bloodstream if the leaky gut's that bad, and that'll cause a bit of autoimmunity, a bit of um of a, of negative reaction to the fermented foods. So generally, I'll sort of get people to do like a twelve week sort of reset program and fix up the gut. Then they can sort of jump into this huge array of um, rich cultural fermented foods, and the best fermented foods by far, I believe, are uh, your fermented veggies. So things like sauerkraut and kimchi, those are sort of my go-tos. Kimchi is probably the tastiest, best dish you'll ever try. It's so good. Um, But also kombucha as well. Kombucha is a really cool one. And, um, you know, I actually teach people um, in in classes here in Adelaide and also in my online course how to sort of use their kombucha to inoculate all their other fermented foods. And it's sort of this cyclic little independent fermented system. And it's beautiful. You know, we are not only increasing our health by doing this, we're actually sort of keeping alive this ancient tradition that has been around for thousands of years. You know, we've known about the benefits of fermented foods for so long now. You know, the SCOBY in kombucha has been around since, you know, 450 BC or whatever it is. So, you know, it's a testament to that product that it's lasted so long, you know, and now we're seeing the science to back up all, all what we've instinctively known. Um, so yeah, I think you know introducing maybe kombucha and and your other fermented foods into the diet is is such a cool thing. So I would probably start with the kombucha, and then once you sort of get that started, you can start to do the fermented veggies and stuff, and it's really cool. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, will probably know all of this stuff. I not know all of it, but they can have you know had tasted it or tried it, and probably most likely were recommended to friends as well. But for those the people listeners who have never even heard of fermented foods or even thought about fermented foods, let's go back before you just mentioned about um, you know having leaky gut, and you know you have to do a twelve week program to kind of just reset things. What mm. would you do in that twelve weeks, just so that people understand like what they actually have to go through and do to reset the body for years of you know neglecting that yeah i look it, it's pretty much you know a s- 
strict sort of paleo diet, but I'm really uh, rocking down the fruit and the the sugars. So I know people don't like to hear that, and it's kind of like the sugar police and whatnot. And um, you know, some people who actually explain this to will pretty much just sort of uh, give it away at that point as soon as you say that. And that includes things like raw chocolate and all the you know so called healthy stuff, which you know I have on occasion still. But all those sort of things have to come out of the diet to reset the system. You know, if we've got some bad bacteria and if we're having grains, you know, they've shown now that if you consume gluten-containing grains for the next three hours after you consume them, you've got leaky gut, you know, on, 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 a, on a, an acute scale. And eventually that goes to a chronic scale. So um, if you're consuming those foods, then really you're not going to get far. So um, you really got to take it seriously. Um, and that's not to say that anyone who hasn't done a 12-week cleanse is not going to get benefits from fermented foods. That's just generally my recommendation so people right. can get all the benefits from them. Um, yeah, they might just, just want to jump into it straight away and that's that's fine. So pretty much what you're doing is just almost starving them of the back, yeah. sort of the bad bacteria and just allowing yeah. the, the body to kind of reset and have a good foundation to kind of you know let the, the good fermented foods and bacteria yeah. to kind of grow in them. Yeah, great. It's like naturally wiping everything out so mm. that we can re-inoculate with the good guys, plant some happy seeds, you know, <laughs> wipe mm. out the garden and take out all the weeds and plant some happy seeds. Great. Well, what about some, what people will be thinking right now is, is what about the uh, sort of probiotics that you see on the shelf, you know, comparatively to fermented foods? Is there a difference and is there something to avoid, to do? What is your thoughts on that? Most of them, I think, are not, not that good, to be honest. You know, we see the little seesaw ads on TV and the, the little mini milks and all that stuff. I don't think they're that good. Um, there are some good ones out there, no doubt. Um, if I do sort of work with people, I'll put them on the bacteria that we naturally get from mum at birth, and that's a lot of bifidus bacteria with a little bit of lactobacillus as well. Um, so I tend to have people supplement with those during that cleanse because our body's used to having those um, from birth, you know, if, if we were born naturally, of course. Um, so I like to use those during that sort of time, um, during the reset. And I think, you know, you, there's plenty out there, but I would look for something like a symbiotic, which is basically you send along the probiotics with a bit of a packed lunch sort of thing. Um, and they feed upon the, the symbiotics. It might be something like inulin or it might be something like fructooligosaccharide, which is FOS, it might be called. And the bacteria just feed upon those and sort of multiply and then you consume it. So it's a much more, a much bigger bang for your buck when you're consuming um, stuff like that. So if people are thinking, okay, I get it, I need to start doing some fermented foods, where do you usually recommend people to start? I mean, what's what's the easiest one for people to start with and to start making? Is it kombucha or is, kombucha. is it one of the others that's easy to go? All right, so yeah, go, go through with us. How do we, how do, we do it? What's your, what's your tried and true method for getting people started <laughs> and getting them, getting them some kombucha into them? Okay, so uh, finding a SCOBY is um, t- sort of a little bit annoying for a lot of people um, because <laughs> you know, they can be, yeah, got you heaps. got heaps. So go and see Brett. What's your number, Brett? <laughs> and, um, just so, come to the practice. We got bucket loads. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, doing that is a little bit frustrating. So, what you can actually do is brew up your kombucha. And um, just go and buy like a store-bought kombucha, like an organic kombucha, and use that as your sort of starter, as your inoculator. Obviously, I sort of do it a little bit different. I don't recommend using refined sugar because, you know, the SCOBY has been around for thousands of years. We've only had refined sugar for like a couple of hundred years. So it makes sense to me actually to not use refined sugar. A lot of people will say that, no, it needs it and it's for the bacteria, not you. And I was one of those people initially. I was like, no, 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 use the white sugar. It's for the it's for the SCOBY. You'll be fine. But, you know, what we're finding that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was someone who said that, but um, it's not the case. You know, I actually, you know, I did a little bit of a test the other day and I instinctively knew 
knew this, you know, it just took me some time to connect the dots. So I actually use a method that doesn't use sugar. You know, we use a little bit of coconut sugar in one version and then you can actually use fruit juice in another version because the bacteria can survive on that. And so they're, they're really hardy. We don't need to underestimate these bacteria. So uh, best thing to do, you pretty much brew up like a sweet tea. You can use herbal tea, you can use green tea, which is the traditional way to do it. Add in a bit of coconut sugar or your, maybe you might do some organic pomegranate juice, which is one of my favorites. Then just pour in a bottle of um, store-bought organic kombucha and, and put it on a breathable lid on, the, on your vessel and let it grow and you'll get a scoby and you're pretty much rocking from there. Wow. How long does that take? Uh, the, for kombucha, I, I, I recommend maybe like six to 12 days, but it depends on so many different things. Like the moon cycle, the moon cycle can uh, influence your bacteria where you put them in the house will influence them. Like if you've got them near power points, it's going to slow it down. It's crazy. Like it's pretty cool though. So don't put it beside the Wi-Fi. No. (laughs) (laughs) But you just kind of smell it, right? Like I find with my, like I've sort of stopped even bothering to try and figure out how long it's been going for, I just kind of walk past it every couple, every now and then, and kind of just smell it and go, "Does it smell about right?" You know, yeah. because yeah. depending on the temperature, it really does take different amounts. It doesn't smell that bad, Lawrence. It does. It just takes different amounts of time to ferment, depending on yeah. a whole bunch of variables. I'm just so, imagining this 40 degree weather in Adelaide at the moment <laughs> and the smell. Yeah. It's brewing quick. Yeah. yeah, it's brewing quick at the moment. But you, you, what you said was so true. Like I recommend in my classes and whatnot. I always say um, once you get the smell right, you're sweet because you would know that a scoby can look pretty gross. Like I've heard the term placenta thrown in so many times when people <laughs> see scoby for the first time. Oh, you're really so, selling it here, Kyle. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's what everybody's going to go and go and grab one now. No, uh, it's good. <laughs> well, what about this though? I mean, I, I've actually noticed this a lot in, in stores. Um, you know, you go to a health food, you know, quote unquote health food store, even just in the regular stores now, you see all these drinks. It's like it's part of the sports drink, you know, or just like besides the uh, other other sports drinks models, there's all these kombuchas, like just various flavors. What are your thoughts on those? Uh, look, um, I think they're great. You know, great people are bringing out these products, I'm sure, you know, very well-intended individuals. But, you know, the thing is they're all, they're all using refined sugar. And the fact is when you taste these things, this sort of aha moment for me was when I, I finally convinced my dad to try like a kombucha. And the first thing he said was, oh my gosh, you know, how much sugar is in that? And it sort of clicked something with me. I, I was going, you know, am I just ignoring this? You know, it actually really is sweet. So I actually tested a lot of different kombuchas, um, their effect on my blood sugar and uh, sort of compared them and whatnot and found that, you know, the sugar's actually not really digested in most of these drinks and you can taste that. So, you know, five grams of sugar in a whole bottle, that's that's one teaspoon of sugar going into your system. Wow. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think that's acceptable at all. Um, so I tested these things in a, in a YouTube video and um, you can actually go maybe search it on Google or go to my website, calbrock.com, and you can see uh, the different ones. And I actually tested my own kombucha as well and it was the only one to actually lower my blood sugar, you know, some of them really skyrocketed my blood sugar too and mine was the only one to actually lower it. So as always, you know, pretty much with everything, I would recommend buying it um, and making it at home. Yeah, and like you said, it is, it's actually really easy. Like I actually so kind of easy. enjoy doing it. It's like my little pet. I kind of feed it each week <laughs> yeah. and then it just gives me stuff back. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. yeah, it's so cool. You know, we've been living in symbiotic relationship with bacteria for thousands of years. You know, the indigenous Australians used to um, gather up herbs and flowers and whatnot and put them in these big pots and uh, mix them up with sour ants and water and let that ferment. And, you know, and there's so many examples around the world of traditional cultures doing this. Western A. Price actually had a look and, you know, we can still do it today on a, on a modern scale. It's super cool. 
And one of the other things you mentioned before was using your kombucha to start seeding all of your other things like your kimchi or your sauerkraut and that sort of stuff. And I know you mentioned this at the workshop you did with us in Adelaide. And one of the questions I've had from a couple of different people since then was they said, well, look, if I'm using the kombucha to seed these other foods, aren't I then just kind of getting the same strain in everything? You know, Wouldn't it be better if I perhaps did my sauerkraut just from scratch and let the whatever sauerkraut bacteria are growing that one and, and have different strains of bacteria coming through naturally from my fermented foods rather than starting more from the SCOBY. So can you explain to people why you like doing it that way and, and what the pros and cons are? Yeah, yeah. It's such a good point to make. So you've obviously got some savvy sort of uh, peeps with you, <laughs> Dr. Brett. Um, so basically what we're doing by using the kombucha, we're not actually – uh, getting rid of any of the naturally present bacteria in the cabbage or whatnot. We're actually just uh, encouraging a certain environment which allows them to grow. So what I actually teach is that people wash their uh, cabbage and whatnot in uh, warm water and butch vinegar. So butch vinegar is basically when you leave your kombucha long enough so it tastes like super strong vinegar. And you can clean your uh, cabbage, for instance, uh, for your sauerkraut in that and that doesn't kill any of the bad bugs. So you're not actually getting rid of any sort of good bacteria that might be on the cabbage. Okay, you're only getting rid of the bad ones. Unfortunately, these days, you know, we're storing food, not so ideally. Um, you know, those cabbages might have been rolling around in the back of a truck coming from Melbourne or whatever um, or been in cold storage for a long time. So the argument that there's a lot of good bacteria in there already is kind of flawed. So um, what I like to do is sort of wash it all off of the, ba- the bad bacteria and um, ensure the good bacteria is still there and just sort of let it sit in our uh, solution, in our butch solution with a little bit of water and salt as well. And uh, that not only grows the bacteria present in our kombucha, but it also allows the bacteria naturally present like the plantarum and whatnot on the cabbage to also grow. So we're actually getting like a huge array of the bacteria, not just the ones from the kombucha, but it's a really good question. Cool. Wow. Cleared up. Thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're just like uh, full of information here, man. It's amazing. Well, how does anybody, uh, how, can they learn this stuff? Can you, can you teach it to them? Do you have any, uh, a course that you actually have to teach people how to make fermented foods? Yeah, so I do a lot in Adelaide, but I also just released my uh, fermented foods course online. Oh, cool. So um, yeah, we do like a I do like a big uh, ten to twelve video series with a bunch of downloadable um, recipes and fact sheets and checklists to really sort of hold people's hands as they go through the fermentation process because it is sort of a little bit daunting and scary initially. Um, so yeah, I just released that and they can sort of find that at calbrock.com. I, it's probably the best work I've ever put out there. I'm really proud of it. So yeah. We'll make sure we put a link to it on our Facebook page too. Yeah. 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 We'll put it on yeah, the Facebook definitely. page and uh, make sure you go check out the, uh, the wellnesscouch.com, uh, and, and the wellness guy section on this particular episode. We'll put in uh, some show notes there too. Cool. Yeah. So, Kale, um, we're just unfortunately time's up. It's amazing how much how fast that went. Um, <laughs> one last question then before you head off. Um, what's what's you know what's the future hold for you? What what do you want to take your life in terms of shaping the impact on health? Oh, look, to be honest, I see, like I said before, I see the effects of what I'm doing firsthand and it is so inspiring. Today I did a wellness workshop and just the stories from people that come back to me about even the little changes that they implement and get a huge result from is so inspiring. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm doing a lot of podcasting at the moment. So uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to uh, work out how to get on the wellness couch. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> do it. Do it. So um, that'll be good. But, um, you know, my job really is to make myself obsolete to be honest and teach people so much that they are able to actually go on and teach others because that's how we can create change is to create healthy individuals who know what they're doing and can share 
health information with others because I'm I'm just going to say to you right now, the change isn't going to come from those who are governing us at the moment. It's going to come from the ground up. And, you know, doing what you guys are doing is so fantastic. And, you know, you guys inspire me and I want to do what you guys do and I want to take it to another level. You know, I have so many aspirations in this sort of field and I'm just so grateful at the same time to be doing what I'm doing. So, yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome, Kale. You're always a welcome to the wellness couch. We'll, we'll chat after this and uh, we'll yeah. get you on on the fermented <laughs> show. Uh, guys, make sure you like us on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash the wellness guys and also the wellness couch. Make sure you like us there. Share this particular podcast with your friends and families and other strangers like Kale said. They need an update. So uh, you definitely want to share this, these podcasts with them. Subscribe to us on iTunes while there. Uh, leave us a rating and comment. Uh, that would help us out a lot. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example. Let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on the Wellness Guy Show. Thanks, Kale. Really appreciate it. <laughs> no worries, guys. Cheers. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.